When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. All right, Matt. First things first. Do you think that whenever you go out on a dance floor, people say, man, that boy can dance? Without a doubt, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you don't, you're not going to catch me on the dance floor very often. It's, this is not my, uh, uh, it's not my a comfortable place for me <laughs> to be. I See, and I am the ideal wedding date because as long as they're playing those 90s tunes, I will be on the dance floor f- from beginning to end. You... Basically, if I know the song, I'll be on the dance floor. I love Motown. Throw me some of those Motown hits. I'm yeah. out there. I am a dancing fiend, but I still don't think anyone would be like, that guy's got the moves. <laughs> it's just that he's got tenacity and stamina. Yeah. It's interesting. Is I just went to a cousin got married. It's funny. It's like a cousin who's in the military right now. He's in training, and I don't get to talk to him very often. And at the wedding, uh, in a brief moment, you know, like it's not, you don't have a ton of time to talk to the groom. Yeah. And I talked to him on the dance floor, and he told me how much he has been enjoying this podcast, <laughs> which I had no idea he was listening to. So shout out to my cousin, Tim. Congratulations on getting married. I mean, at this point, when this airs, you're going to have been married for a while. But I hope you're still listening. <laughs> and if you're not, yeah. it doesn't matter. Thanks, Tim. That's a long way around. I, I'm glad I even thought to mention that. At that wedding, you know, it was a big, very dance-heavy wedding. And I was just kind of chilling at the table. I like to talk to people. And I'm, um, people in my family, of course, know that I you know, like make my living as a performer. And so everyone's like, why don't you get up? You you should be up there dancing. You're like a guy, you're a performer. You should be up there. I was like, no, you don't understand. It's very different. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a setting where I'm very comfortable on a stage performing for people and being at a dance party at a wedding. That's just not it for me. That's not, it the, does yeah. not it's very, very different. But people assume, <laughs> I think as in performance, it's like just general, um, uh, that you're like across the board extroverted, which okay. I, I'm generally not. So I, I I I think that's very fair. People people really do think that you can fall into either the extroverted or introverted category, and yeah. I know that I it, it is very circumstantial. Exactly. You no, know I mean exactly, like yeah. prime example was when I went to see you guys live. Like 
the second that you being the only person I really knew was on stage, I was like, I'm just going to stand over here in this corner and just, <laughs> and just watch from a distance because I don't know anybody. Yeah, yeah. And that was a rowdy. That was a rowdy crowd, too. That was a wild crowd. But that's like, some, I know that's some Philly stuff. I know people who would have been totally in their element in that moment. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm just going to wander around and make some friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> now, that's also not me at a, at a show, whether I'm playing or not. Uh, yeah, no, yeah just... you find the people that you know and you exactly. make your little like safe space. Exactly. What's interesting is usually I hit up the Wikipedia and the Wikipedia usually has plenty of information on when songs were recorded and like maybe a little bit of background about the writing of this. The Wikipedia for N3D, this song may as well not even be a track on it. There is yeah. zero information and I kind of forgot about this song. Like when I was looking at the track list for N3D, I'm like, have I ever even listen to this song like i couldn't hum you a note of it i couldn't think anything of it but as soon as i put it on i was like this song rules like it's a great song it is a great song it's very uh i was just trying to look up because i saw that this came up on the first run of the vanity tour that they did this song a couple times but very few i think it was the song they played the least of anything and i'm checking right now to see if i can find that particular statistic because I think they did it once or twice for the first time ever. I don't think it had ever been played before. I love that we live in a digital age world where there are people who are dedicating stuff just to like what the percentage of songs played on a specific tour I know, is right? in a, in a easily accessible formatting. So while you're looking that information up, uh, the song essentially is about a dorky kid who all of a sudden hits the dance floor, and man, he is no longer the nerd. Uh, you know, they call him, you know, they start off, we used to call him Jimmy the Geek. He was a dumb-looking, scrawny little four-eyed freak. <laughs> he never used to hang around with the guys. he just sit in the corner attracting flies. He wasn't much to look at, and he was never very bright, but at least there was one thing that he could do all right. The boy could dance. The boy could dance. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and just to connect, so it was played on the Vanity Tour seven times, which is the smallest number of times any song was played on that tour. So I wonder what Al's feelings are on this, because he could have just as easily not played it at all. Uh, it made me wonder if it was uh, like, yeah, may like maybe it was something on their list that they wanted to try, and then it didn't go over as well as they thought, or maybe they were having a hard time playing some some aspect of it. It doesn't seem like it would be incredibly challenging to me like there's harder stuff in their catalog than this but uh yeah i don't know i mean seven well, times you've, you've talked about this before that in any given band you have a couple songs that maybe aren't the fan favorites yeah but they're your favorite so you you give them a couple spins to see if you can get the crowd to get into maybe this is one of al's favorites of his it could be it's and he's could like be. And they gave it a couple different chances and a couple, like, maybe it was, like, in key cities. And after there was, like, no reaction at those cities, they're like, all right, as much as we love this song, we're going to have to just let this one die. Yeah, maybe this is just, <laughs> I would say it's this. And then the second least played on that tour is Party at the Leper Colony, which, funny enough, I did actually see him do <laughs> that first show. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it was one of those. Maybe maybe uh, they worked it up and they were just like, yeah, this just doesn't seem like it's getting the response we were hoping for, so. And, and of course, on in 3D for originals, like they were playing a lot of Midnight Star and Nature Trail to Hell, which I mean, and Mr. Popeil actually. So, um, 
I mean, yeah, this is just, but I, I never, like I said, I forgot this song existed. I really never hear anyone bring up this song when they're, when they're ranking their all time great owl tracks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it, so, and, and same with what you like, Lep, uh, Party at the Leper Colony is another one where it's like, don't really hear much love on that one in general. No, so, no, not so much. And it's not that, I mean, look, there's there's songs from his originals where, you know, I've said I'm not a fan of the Brady Bunch. I wasn't a big fan of Buy Me a Condo or Got a Boogie or, or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And But this isn't like I'm not a fan of it. It's just, you know what the problem is, honestly? Excluding the lyrics just a little bit, we've talked about the few songs where they get dangerously close to just like, regular Alfred Yankovic songs. Yes. And I and I think that this song really does lack enough weirdness to really stick out. Like I know that we're already past him doing hand farts on every song, but like maybe yeah. this song could have used some like hand farts <laughs> or kazoos or cuz it's just a regular like if you told me that this song was from the the Footloose soundtrack, I'd be like, "Of course it is." Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's also interesting cuz lyrically, this is like a very this this plays lyrically like it's the plot like it's a synopsis of like a teen comedy yeah right like that's that's what it is and i get the fact that this is very on brand for al this is like the story of like the weird kid who turns out to be successful once he is able to hone his weirdness in the right way so i get that i feel like it's and maybe in that sense it's kind of on the nose for him you know what i mean like it's yeah. usually his his these types of references <laughs> we haven't really seen too much of this yet. We're going to get into it very soon. A lot of the characters that Al writes about in his songs are way more weird than this. <laughs> yeah, well, this so guy yeah, it's bring... just a, like a, go- a goofy kid who it turns out can dance. Uh, well, it's a and... rags to riches story, though. Let's break down yeah. these lyrics a little bit more. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the next verse, he says, he was a jerk. He was kind of a bore, but the women would scream when he walked in the door because there was one thing I could tell you for sure that boy could dance. Picking teams, he'd always be last. He couldn't run very far. He couldn't think very fast. If he was on your side, you'd lose. The guy had problem even tying his shoes. He never passed a driver's test. He was afraid of cars. And he had a complexion that resembled the surface of Mars. But that boy could dance. And I can, again, I can see this being a thing where, like, he is maybe writing about how he saw himself yeah, exactly. as a kid. Uh, his hair was a mess and his clothes didn't fit. He smelled pretty bad and drooled just a bit, but you got to admit the boy could dance. But then we get to this last verse. But now that the boy's much older and he's got his own dance studio, he's got teeny bopper fan club and he's got his own TV show. He owns half of Montana <laughs> and they all call him Diamond Jim. And I know you do anything if I could. And I knew that I would do anything if I could be just like him because that boy could dance. Like, I bet that this is more autobiographical than Al will ever admit. Maybe on it how is. he sees I, himself. I don't, I don't know. It could be both. I mean, he could also be like, it's like some outreach to his, what he must know is like a fan base, a young but still upcoming fan base of like sort of miss fit misunderstood kids yeah who are hearing this and being like "Ooh, i can really identify and this is like a you know uh a and it gets better <laughs> type yeah. song 
Um, and we always look. There is always please for its get better songs. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> they are so, very important songs. Yeah, how how autobiographical it is, I guess we'll never really know. We'll um, never really know, but it, it does sound like a story of a dude who didn't fit in in high school. Yeah, like you said, owning his weirdness, and like what right after this, right after this album comes out, he gets Al TV as like a regular occurring yeah. segment on MTV, and it it's kind of it really is kind of like a subtle. Owl autobiographical rags to riches just replacing what he's doing with dancing. I, I am I, in that last verse. I, I have, I'm very curious. It's he owns half of Montana. Yes. That is a really odd state to own half of. Like, yeah. of all things, like, and even like he owns his own dance studio. I guess it says he's got a TV show. I don't know. The nature of this person's fame is is interesting to me. All over the place. It's, it's all, all over, over the place. The place. And he, even the Diamond Gym. Like, Diamond Gym seems like it has to be a reference to something, but I don't think it is. I literally found... You know what? I'm going to check one other source. I looked into it, too, before this episode, because I was like, okay. Diamond Gym is... Like, if that's just a character he came up with for the song, that's really impressive, because it really sounds like a reference to me. Like, the amount of world-building... <laughs> Yeah, this it song almost, is interesting. It almost feels like it's a reference to like you know, if if we were alive if we were alive in 1984, we'd be like, "Oh, he's he's saying that Diamond Jim used to be this ugly loser." Like, you know, like it's like <laughs> exactly. like it just feels like it should be, "Oh, he's referring to this pop culture person." Like yeah. it, it it makes me think of like you know, like the end of uh, Animal House when they're saying like what everybody went off to do, and then it's like Bluto was like he became like senator, blah 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 blah. Like, <laughs> like I feel like it's like oh, I'm supposed yeah. to know who that is, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, but, I I really don't know, but I mean, it's super interesting. I mean, if someone ever wanted to uh, turn a Weird Al song into a film, this is a strong contender for yeah, this uh, is... a, a Weird Al's you know she's all that scenario. Let me ask you what what now that you've proposed that question what what other owl songs would you yeah. uh watch the cinematic adaptation of I mean there's one that seems just blatantly obvious for well, two horror fans say, we, we are approaching <laughs> Nature Trail to Hell which is another uh, well that's interesting cuz that's even less specific than this cuz that's yeah. just describing the trailer is the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would also say Night Santa went crazy like The Night Santa went crazy I mean, is a good one I've got an impressive collection of killer Santa Claus movies that we could always use one more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and actually, and then there's things like, I just thought of like, I Remember Larry is a great example of like yeah. a, but this is where it's interesting. So like, this is such a, by comparison, this is a really wholesome story he's telling yes. in That Boy Could Dance. <laughs> this is really sweet and very nice. He makes a switch very soon where he tends to write about characters that are really it's he, it gets so horrible. much darker than this it gets oh. really really horrible i and mean he, we're getting closer and closer to good old days soon he, and he that is like stories, the prime example <laughs> he writes stories essentially totally glamorizing absolute psychopaths and and <laughs> I mean, this is such before a before with such a groovy guy like I, well yeah no he and that's <laughs> I, i'm you know as we get into these songs i'm going to be so interested to talk about them because i do think that you know, uh, well, you know, one thing we don't talk about a ton, you and I, but I know that we're both big horror fans. 
And I really do feel like a lot of my horror sensibility has actually come from Al and the way he talks about some of these characters in his songs. I've never thought about it for myself, but there has, I mean, he absolutely, uh, I want to say normalized, but like he, he was almost doing lyrically what like Peter Jackson did visually, where it was just so outrageously over the top that it stopped being scary and became like very enjoyable and comedic. He understands the sense of that sensibility and horror is in his songs. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Let's go on a little bit of a horror tangent real quick. I know this has sure, nothing yeah, to do yeah. with The Boy Could Dance, but like, we're in this really interesting time period where some of the best horror directors working today are all guys who came from the comedy scene. Yeah. And that's crazy. You know, like you've got like Danny McBride and Jordan Peele writing some of the most interesting horror films that are being released right now. It's true. And I, there has to be some type of beyond. First of all, I'm positive that if you ask Danny McBride and Jordan Peele, if they're weird Al fans, they would be like, absolutely. Of course. But I think that there's also something where that genre and comedy goes so hand in hand in a very similar, but different setup in the sense of like, you have to build to a satisfying punchline, right? Like everything is about heightening and and whatnot. And like, just as in, especially like someone like Jordan Peele who comes from that improv and sketch comedy world, like everything is about heightening and heightening and heightening until you get to like one satisfying final joke to close out the sketch. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there's like, it all comes down to, this is a lot of comedy as well, whether it's Al or not, is that there's something very cathartic in laughing at something that is otherwise scary or hard to think about. Yes, um, for sure. And, and finding that release and being like, it's it's a form of acceptance and like just taking these things on. And Al's version of that, yeah, compared to these, it, you're exactly right, compared to some of these horror directors you're talking about, I think the sensibility is very, very close. I forget who it was that was talking about it one time, but they, they talked about, you know, this is why, like, pay attention to people on a haunted hayride or in a haunted house. And it's like nine times out of ten, like, what's the first thing they do immediately after they yell from being scared is they laugh. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's there's like that release where your body's oh, yeah. just like, I survived it. I'm okay. It's the reason why seeing horror in a theater is often such a wonderful experience, too, if you get a good crowd because you get yes. the jump and then you get the laughter. It's the tension and release. It's just so, so satisfying. It's brilliant. And, yeah. and the... I mean, that's why I think something like that's why horror comedies can work so well as yeah. well is I've I've talked about the brilliance of Scream is that it is so funny. Yeah. And then turns horrific. Yes. 
and you're like you're eased into a place of comfort before like the really exactly. horrific third act comes in yeah. versus like something like hereditary which is just an endurance test on like how much <laughs> emotional abuse can you take for three yes. hours yes so exactly. that boy could dance we'll get back to that <laughs> but well, you know I, now, no this is good because now we can like totally make it an owl thing and there's like the movie version of that boy could dance also takes a horror turn and he comes back to the school in like a Carrie like scenario yeah diamond joe is not a great diamond joe dancing on the auditorium stage while the school burns down around him finally (laughs) getting revenge you're just you're describing the end of (laughs) trick-or-treat exactly (laughs) perfect you know i made a reference to footloose but like in a weird way this song could literally be about sean penn's character in footloose like that's the way that they're describing him like it's like almost if i close my eyes listen to that song i'm literally picturing him being taught how to dance by kevin bacon in the field like i'm like oh yeah, and and this would have been. I'm pretty sure this would have been the same year as Footloose. I'm almost wondering if there was like a like a Weird Al Footloose connection. Let me see. When did Footloose come out? Footloose is '84. So this is the same year same as year. in 3D. Interesting. Let's see when in '84. February 1984. So it's wow, possible. Matt, you might have just hit on something <laughs> huge here. <laughs> Can we? I, I I don't know if anyone listening has any information. That that's fascinating. I wonder if this was because, like you said, we don't have. There's very little information about this song out in the world, other than some you know lyrical discussion and analysis. But yeah, when it was recorded, I wonder if it was. Let me wow. check. I'm checking the. I'm because Wiki does give me at least when the first original song was recorded. So let me get the yeah. date for that real quick. We may have, this might be an exclusive on the Weird Algorithm Holy podcast. Cow. Okay, so in October of 1983, he started recording demos. Okay. Let's see, originals. Never mind, because this was this was released the week after Footloose, February Seriously? 28th, 1984. That is insane. Wow. So that's just like, that's just like a volcano Dante's Peak type deal. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Sometimes it's just uh, it's just in the world. It's the collective uh, unconsciousness of in 1984. Of all of us, yeah. We were just all ready to watch movies about dancing. Everyone wanted to be vindicated by dance. <laughs> Which and it was like I'll show all of you. <laughs> I I'll throw this out there too. I love me a good 80s dance themed movie. Oh, Dirty it's great. Dancing is a delight to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> This uh, movie theater, <laughs> this movie theater near me just did a retrospective. I didn't actually get to go because I was on the road, but um, they did a retrospective of all '80s movies that was either about dance or like exercise. And the bizarre time period where it's like movies had to have like aerobic montage sequences of everyone getting in shape. Like, and there what a is bizarre thing. I love that. That's so crazy and weird to me in hindsight. And- and to bring it back to horror for a quick second, there is an absurd amount of movies, horror movies that take place in an aerobic gym. Oh my god. Have you ever <laughs> seen like, Death, Have you ever seen Death Spa? I was going to say Death Spa, there's Death Killer so Workout, good. which I think is even better. Oh, I don't know Killer Spa. Workout. Oh, Killer Workout is insane. Killer Workout oh, is man. pure chaos and has a more ridiculous twist than even Death Spa. <laughs> Toxic Toxic Avenger had like oh, everything yes. was happening yeah, in a, a gym. One. Of course, yeah. There's just there's a lot of people in spandex in yeah, horror movies just from a, that time Everyone period. was really into fitness. Uh, who knows why? I don't know enough to know why. There's, but there's, I'm glad that Al was involved. He was part of the culture enough that he was like, I need a song about getting in shape. There's, I, which there's, is really not what this song is about at all. But that's fine. We'll go yeah. with it. There's one other truly terrible one that I just need to shout out. Listeners, if you're looking for some bad aerobic horror movies from the Ooh. 80s, 
Uh, this one I believe you can only watch on YouTube for free uh, is Slash Dance, uh, which is <laughs> which the cast is primarily gorgeous women of wrestling, uh, gorgeous ladies of wrestling mm. uh, people playing like cops and women at an aerobics studio slash I think it's like an aerobics studio slash like dance studio that are just getting killed off, but it's like easily a budget of $50. Like it was wow. like they rented a black box theater and brought in some of the glow girls and called it a day. <laughs> it is, it is bad. I just uh, looked it up on Letterboxd and I, I'm sure the poster looks way better than the movie actually is, but what a great looking poster. This oh, is. just the sleaziest looking poster you uh, could possibly yeah. find. Is that yeah, the one? It just yep. looks exactly like the sort of thing that I would see and be like, <laughs> I have to watch this immediately. 100%. All right. Wow. So where I've bounced back and forth this entire episode of where I'm going to put the song, but where do you put that boy could dance? Um, this is a tougher one. Um, cause this is, you know, we're going to have a harder time as this goes on and we're talking about things that fall in the middle. I'm just yes. foreseeing that right and now. That's what I, I mean. This is definitely a middle song. I, th- I think I've, I think I've pinpointed my spot on my list. I guess I'm putting it towards the bottom. Yeah. Uh, which is not my intention, really, because I'm going to put it just above Happy Birthday. Okay. Very but interesting. Those you are very I... close for me. I feel like those these feel very... Uh, I feel like those two tracks are are kind of in line for me as like solid, like in the middle Al originals. And weirdly enough, Happy Birthday was my stable point. So I mm. put it just below Happy Birthday. I almost did, and then I thought yeah. I just changed my mind at the last second. Yeah, I. The only reason that I this is my reasoning for why I put mine below Happy Birthday, is that we recorded the Happy Birthday episode months ago, and I can still remember how it goes. And I listened to this song three times before we recorded it, and I still couldn't tell you how the song actually goes. <laughs> so I was like, it's kind of forgettable in a in an upsetting way because I do like the song every time I hear it. I was like, ah, this song's great. But then yeah. like my brain would dump all that information immediately. Instantly erased. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll be back with the last parody on the record. Mm. So stay tuned. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 